Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to year two of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. From Matty Olchek to Bob Costas, Mike North to Pat Foley, they reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is sponsored by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dogs since 1893. Find them on the web at ViennaBeef.com and by Dynamic Manufacturing, awarded the General Motors Supplier of the Year 23 times. Honor the legacy, pioneer the future. Visit them at DynamicManufacturingInc.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by Serenow Law Group, top-notch pros in reducing your rising real estate taxes. They're on the web at Serenow.com by BetUS, America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of reasons. Check them out at BetUS.com. And by the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats in the Chicagoland area since 1949. Visit them at PolinaMarket.com. This week we feature the longtime sports anchor and reporter and soon to retire voice of WGN Sports, Dan Rohn. You know, I've been at GN now. 38 years and I was in Champaign for seven. So that's 45, which is more than two thirds of my lifetime. If I'm doing the math. I didn't know we had to do math on this podcast, but uh, yeah, so it's time for me uh, to, to move on. Uh, so sometime here in 2022, uh, I will be saying goodbye. The sports TV wars were raging when Dan Rohn arrived here in 1984. Channels 2, 5, and 7 were pulling out all the stops to get what they wanted. This newcomer to the group wasn't exactly a shrinking violet, but in a less flashy, no-frills approach, slowly established his place. And now, as his career winds down, Dan Rohn gets to reflect on what has been a wonderful career, replete with numerous Emmys, a Ring Lardner Award, lots of traveling, play-by-play here and there, and golf. Lots of golf. So, Dan Rohn, tell me a story I don't know. Well, George, you mentioned the television wars back in 84 when I first came to Chicago. I don't know if you knew this, but I interviewed at WGN and at WBBM Channel 2 on the same day. And uh, I'm fairly certain I had my choice of those two jobs. But because I had grown up in Iowa as a Cubs fan, uh, there was really no way I wasn't going to go going to go and try to work for WGN. And they you know, they were trying to beef up their sports office at that time. And 
uh, didn't really have a weekday sportscaster. They did hire Bill Frank, uh, who was on the, the tail end of his career. But, mm -hmm. you know, from time it used to be, you know, Jack Brickhouse would come in and do it, or Vince Lloyd would come in and do it, or Ernie or on Banks. Ernie Banks on Sunday nights. We were losing in the eighth inning till I. <laughs> I remembered it vividly. So that's that's kind of how I got to Chicago. It was a it was a roundabout way. I was in Champaign for seven years before I got here and working at WCIA, which was a CBS affiliate. That's it from here. We'll uh, see you tomorrow at game time, eleven thirty here at the stadium. We'll hope everybody's still smiling tomorrow, Dan. So I had a, a nice working relationship, uh, not only with Channel 2 and Johnny Morris, who used to use me for uh, a bunch of different things, but then uh, we were on the Cubs network and Jack Rosenberg reached out when I worked in Champaign and said, how about uh, you come to spring training and do some interviews for us? So I wound up uh, doing that and uh, so I had a foot in the door at GN to start with. And then my former co-anchor and news director in Champaign moved up to become the news director in Chicago at GN. And then mm. after a couple of years, he said, you know, we need you to come up here. So you turned down Channel 2. And if I'm not mistaken, even in 1984, they were still fairly red hot. I think you still had Bill Curtis and Walter Jacobson. Uh, Gene Siskel. I mean, how did you how did you turn them down? You know, I'm in Champaign, George. I don't know those guys. <laughs> you know, I don't know Bill Curtis and Walter Jacobson at that point. And uh, so I'm, you know, I'm looking at the station that actually carries games and is trying to build in some ways from the ground floor up in terms of sports in their news department. So um, it was a pretty easy choice for me, actually. There's an old phrase, Dan, time flies, and it has for both of us. But in your case, and let's use the sports vernacular, you're about to hang them up. Um, rounding the final turn is where I am. You know, I've been at GN now 38 years, and I was in Champaign for seven. So that's 45, which is more than two-thirds of my lifetime if I'm doing the math. I didn't know we had to do math on this podcast, but... I guess I did. And uh, yeah, so it's time for me uh, to to move on. Uh, so sometime here in 2022, uh, I will be saying goodbye. I'm not one of those people who needs a big bon voyage party kind of a thing. You know, I'm happy to just kind of ride off into the sunset. Uh, I hope to have some input at GN as to whom my successor might be. But beyond that, uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell them, I've told them already that in, in a pinch, I'd be willing to come back and work for a couple of days, those kinds of things. But, uh, yeah, beyond that, the full-time sportscasting thing is about to come to an end. So, in other words, you don't want to roast like Mark Greco, which, by the way, was quite an experience you and I attended. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I, You know, if, if we are going to have some kind of a, function i'd really have it be more like rich kings was at, at harry carries where yes. everybody and it just say hi you know i i was there then has it simply just become too much of a grind well it's different you know uh when i first began all we had was a 30 minute newscast at nine o'clock and now we have i want to say 13 and a half hours of news and news-related programming every day. It might be more than that. I'm not sure. I'd have to count it up. But I do the six 
Right now I do the six, the nine, and then we have GN Sports. Let's head out to Arizona where we have our very own Dan Roan and Josh Ryman covering everything. It seems like it's a mad dash for the Cubs out there. It's a mad dash for everybody, JP. Uh, that's the way baseball is right now with this lockout finally having ended and everybody officially beginning training camp today. So we have that every night at 1030. It was five days a week. Now that's seven days a week. Uh, not that I'm doing every day, but, uh, you know, you do get home late. I don't get home till close to midnight every night. And uh, it is getting to be a little bit more of a grind. When GN did announce that it was going to do GN Sports, what did you think? Did that kind of hasten the moment for you to say, wait, this is way too much? And welcome in again, Dan Ronan, Jared Payton. Nice to have you with us tonight for GN Sports. No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I was interested to see how they had it mapped out and uh, Bob Vorwald was in charge of most of that and I think the format of it is pretty good uh, it's kind of uh, the same thing in a way every night but you know there are different things to talk about every single night um, and I wouldn't say it hastened it uh, but what did hasten it if there was one particular thing would would have been the pandemic so sure. yeah it's it's uh it's dried up some of the fun, uh, certainly. So that's a big part of it, I think. Well, I have to tell you, you never miss the beat. And particularly during the pandemic, when your broadcast came from your rec room, which of course is replete with a pool table, very nice backdrop, Dan. <laughs> that pool table's gotten a lot of use over the years. It's recovered a couple of times. Now it's red. So I think everybody knows that by now, having seen it <laughs> a million times. But yeah. I have basically just a five-step ladder with the paint tray in the middle of the basement and a shoebox and some kind of a board game. And I tape this iPad to the top of it and I have a light there and some earplugs and away we go. It's pretty simple. Yeah, the pandemic made everybody try to be a little creative. Listen, I always liked your reports from spring training as well. You were right by a pool. You made a guy like me freezing here just a bit jealous. Well, that was the idea. <laughs> you know, one day, I'm trying to think of exactly why we did that. I mean, just to basically make it look like a more of a tropical or desert locale. But one day, my live truck driver and my cameraman, Steve Schur and Bill O'Toole, they said, why don't we throw you in the water at the end of this one? Because it's our last one. I go, throw me in the water. And they go, yeah, we'll throw you in the water. So I said, all right. So we figured out a way to unhook the microphone so I wouldn't electrocute myself. And uh, they just picked the chair up that I was sitting in and threw it in the pool. Uh, this is at a hotel in Tempe. And so, you know, we, we got a lot of laughs out of it. And Everybody back at the station thought it was funny. And I went to the game the next day uh, over at Ho-Ho Cam Park. And I swear, 500 people came up to me. You know, we were on national cable then. And everybody uh, from Chicago was watching the show. And they, they all thought it was the greatest thing ever. So as the years went on, we put together some elaborate plans to wind up in the water at the end of the last broadcast so it has that was a lot of fun and we got a lot out of it 
You made a tradition out of it. So in 1984, you landed the Channel 9 job, but then you almost lost it. Tell me a story I don't know about that. I was knocking heads with uh, the person who became the news director, who ironically enough was a co-worker of mine in Champaign and somebody that had been a pretty good friend and somebody we, uh, my wife and I would hang out with, uh, she and her husband. And it was interesting when she got the job, I thought, this is going to be great. You know, we're old buddies. I can help her out. It wasn't but a couple of weeks that our relationship was taking a weird turn. And I don't know what the deal was exactly, but uh, she was more of a scorched earth kind of manager. It just wasn't working out. And it actually came down to me or her at the end. And uh, I won. So lucky you. Yeah, I mean, really, it was it was touch and go there for a while, and you know, it was uh, it was not the most pleasant time of my tenure at GN. I can tell you that, but uh, it's all over with now, so not a big deal. Did you know General Motors 2021 Supplier of the Year is located in Hillside, Illinois? Dynamic Manufacturing not only remanufactures transmissions for the likes of GM, but also as a state-of-the-art facility. Its capabilities include engineering new or existing products, along with manufacturing, machining, logistics, and re-energizing used batteries for electric cars and energy storage systems. I've seen their operation firsthand, and their nearly 1 million square feet of operating space is extremely impressive. Dynamic was founded by the late, great John Partipillo in 1955 and is still family-owned and operated by the next generation. For more information about Dynamic Manufacturing, visit their website at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Dynamic Manufacturing. Honor the legacy. Pioneer the future. March Madness has begun and BetUS Sports is your home for the NCAA Tournament Plus, the NBA, NHL, UFC, and the PGA Tour. Sign up now and first-time bettors will get a 125% bonus with our promo code STORY22. That's STORY22. Future odds, live betting, and great parlay plays also await you at BetUS. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. Go to BetUS.com and remember our code, STORY22. The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with Dan Rohn on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. So here's WGN. It's the home of the Cubs and the Bulls. But it isn't what it is today when it comes to sports reporting. What did you do when you arrived to change the culture some 38 years ago? Well, we weren't at GM when I got there. We weren't like two, five and seven. Uh, They had, you know, multiple people on their staffs. They had people who, you know, reported only like Jean Morris was not an anchor, but she was a terrific reporter. Uh, and it was the same thing across the board at the other stations. We didn't have any of that. So that was kind of my job. And like I said, Bill Frank was handling uh, the anchoring when I first got there. And then Bill retired just a couple of months after I had arrived. So then I'm kind of doing all of it. 
the the story about Bill's replacement, it wasn't me right off the bat. Um, I was covering two NCAA tournaments at once, two regionals. Illinois was playing at Lexington, Kentucky, and DePaul in Ray Myers last year was playing in St. Louis, and this is in 84. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I said, hey, look, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to do some things. So get out on the road and cover some. So anyway, Illinois plays on a Thursday night. They beat Maryland. You know, I'm from Champaign. I've been down there for seven years and done Lou Henson's coaches show. So we wound up getting a live interview with Lou after the game, which nobody else got. Everything was great. Uh, when we finished with that, we slept in the airport, caught a flight to St. Louis. Uh, DePaul was playing Wake Forest. DePaul fans probably remember Kenny Patterson throwing the ball away in overtime and DePaul losing uh, to Wake in Ray's last game. So we covered all that stuff. Uh, didn't get out of there till after midnight. Slept in the airport again. Flew to Lexington. And Illinois lost to Kentucky playing on its home floor by three points and got jobbed. Good pressure free throw by Altenberger. He just walked up there and knocked it down. This one will get him within two, and they'll come right back with that press. 13 points for Altenberger, three out of three from the line. That's a big miss. Big miss. Richardson grabs it. Back to Altenberger, three seconds. Still not enough. And now they're saying no basket. Kentucky wins it. After that, uh, we did all that postgame stuff. It's four or five o'clock in the afternoon. I have to be in Chicago to anchor the news that night. And fortunately for me, uh, we were carrying the high school basketball tournament then. So the news went on a little later because the game ran until 10 o'clock. So I'm at the station. I have an editor who's not very handy with the equipment. And I'm coming from a place where we edited our own stuff and we had the same kind of system. So uh, totally against union rules, and I'm sure there's a letter about it in my file at GN. <laughs> I told that guy to get out of the chair. Otherwise, we're not going to get this done. So I'm editing 10 things. I've got about 20 minutes to get it done. And the news director comes in with Bob Hillman. Oh, yeah. And he says, Dan, I'd like you to meet Bob Hillman. He's going to be, <laughs> uh, I said, get the F out of here. <laughs> I mean, I there's no way I can get this stuff done and talk to these guys. So finally, you know, they left and I was able to get it on the air and without having a nervous breakdown. And then, so Hillman came in and uh, he was the anchor for a while and they tried to, he was kind of a, for GN, which was a conservative place. He was kind of a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. And he was an oddball. Yeah, it didn't work out. And he actually, you know, GN, even to this day, they very rarely fire anybody, but he committed a huge faux pas right after a new general manager took over, Dennis Fitzsimons, who uh, later became a, a corporate executive in Tribune. Right after Dennis took over, Bob messed up in a pretty big way, and uh, they fired him. You just mentioned the name, Lou Henson, and you have interviewed and been around a lot of people now, there is a very unique personality, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, one of the nicest people oh, you yeah. ever 
Amen. You know, I've never coached a team like that, and I don't think I've seen a team exactly like the Flying Illini. They were all about 6'5". You know, uh, Lou had uh, cancer and fought it for the last 15 or 20 years of his life and fought it right to the very end. Uh, a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken, he went, it might have been Brad Underwood's first year as the coach or second year. Uh, they were playing an exhibition game against Eastern Illinois to start their season, and they went to Charleston to play it. And Lou jumped in the car, sat in the front row, watched the game. He's got cancer, and he knows it's terminal. He just loved basketball so much and loved Illinois so much that he, he couldn't stay away. That's the guy that I knew when he was coaching Illinois and the guy I used to work with uh, quite closely. And it was a, a very sad day when he finally passed. Yeah, he was, a, he was a very vibrant individual. So when you joined Channel 9, sports wars kind of were underway. I mean, you're talking about Tim Weigel, Gene Greco, Johnny Morris, and this was quite a, uh, a battle for sports supremacy in what was then a very big media town. How did you approach this as a newcomer? I just did what I did in Champaign, you know. It wasn't like GN was the only job offer I had or BBM. I mean, I interviewed for jobs in Boston and Atlanta, Washington, D.C. I had opportunities to move, but my wife is from Chicago. All my friends are living up here after college, and that's really where we wanted to go. So we just kind of had to wait that out. But, I, you know, I was fairly confident in my abilities to get the job done and really there was only one direction to go and that was up because they really didn't have a reporter until I got there it was the first day uh, you mentioned losing my job I don't know about losing it but I was covering uh, a men's pro tour tennis tournament at the pavilion then the UIC pavilion sure the McEnroe and Connors were playing each other there it, is. there it is. Jimmy Connors. John McEnroe congratulates him at the net. And it was an evening match. And there's a catwalk on the, must be the east end of the building uh, in the upper deck. And I'm up there and we were doing a live report and we flipped the, the light on. And I'm speaking as softly as I can so I can still be heard. And the camera guy, looks at me and he points down to the court and they're McEnroe and Connor staring up at me with their hands on their hips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can just imagine the look uh, on your two know, guys' faces. You know, we had to quickly abort the live shot and I was trying to get out of it and it I was messing it up and it was my first assignment and I thought, oh geez, here we go. The only thing that that equaled that was when the all-star game was being played, the baseball all-star game at Wrigley Field in 1990, we are across the street uh, on one of the rooftops doing a live shot during the game because they wouldn't let us do it inside the park. And uh, the umpire <laughs> raised his hands and said, time out. He goes, somebody tell those people to turn that light off on that roof. <laughs> so we stopped the all-star game too. 
Would you like to save money? <laughs> Who wouldn't? How about saving money on your real estate taxes? I have and did so thanks to Serenal Law Group, accomplished professionals ready to put money back in your pocket. All Chicago properties were reassessed by the Cook County Assessor's Office, and some of you got eye-opening increases. Serenal Law Group has the ability to lower that. The deadline to file your 2021 appeal is 30 days after your township opens for appeals at the Board of Review, so don't waste a minute contacting Serenal Law Group so you can save. There are no fees, so you don't have to pay a dime unless they save you money. And take it from me, they've saved me thousands. And they do it in a professional and friendly manner that makes your life a whole lot easier. Serenal Law Group handles appeals throughout the greater Chicagoland area from residential, commercial, or industrial property. They're ready to fight on your behalf so you don't pay more than your fair share. Visit their website, serenow.com, that's S-A-R-A-N-O-W, or call them at 312-373-0015. Mention promo code OFFMAN, that's O-F-M-A-N, to get a discounted fee on your 2021 property tax appeal. Contact Serenow Law Group, S-A-R-A-N-O-W, and start saving. When you were working, as you said, you just did your thing and you're watching, you know, Johnny Morris has Mike Ditka and Marching Grunko has Steve McMichael. I mean, this was insane what was going on. Did you ever pine to the folks at GN saying, hey, give us a big name personality. We really need to do something like this. Well, we did it on probably a little bit uh, lesser scale than that. I mean, I think Weigel had Walter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Mark was at Channel 5 then, and he had Mongo, and then Dick was on with Johnny. So, <laughs> but you know, then again, all those shows are on after our show, George. We were on before them. So right. we did what we did, and we wound up, we had uh, Mark Carrier was on our show. Sean Good Gale. guy. Oh, yeah, great. Uh, Tom Zach was with us. One of the linemen was with us. Blake Brockermeyer was with us at one point. So we were, you know, in a way it was an advantageous thing because we were the first ones and, uh, you know, we broke a little news. Tom Zach announced his release from the Bears on our show. He had just learned about it a couple of hours prior. And, you know, Mark Carrier, fantastic, who's working up at Loyola now. So, yeah, it wasn't all that bad. We didn't have the highest of high profile people, but we had very knowledgeable guys who are good on TV I thought it worked out pretty well. You, like me, have covered a lot of events over the course of the last, in my case, over 40 years here in Chicago. Tell me a story I don't know, Dan, about some of your favorites. I guess Chicago could thank me for coming in one respect is that as soon as I got here, things started turning around. The Cubs they did. Nine years. They won a division the first summer I was here. The Bulls drafted Michael Jordan. The Bears went to the NSV championship game and then went to the Super Bowl the next year and won it. And you were there in 91 when the Bulls won their first championship and you were out in Grant Park for that huge rally. 25 years in the making, but by George, it was worth it. It was worth it and it will be worth it for the players. As we said, you know, they talked so much about getting back to Chicago, even in the locker room on Wednesday night after they won it. Get back to Chicago and celebrate with our fans. And here they all are. Nothing like them. Gosh, you know, I enjoyed all of it. Uh, we traveled pretty extensively with the Bears. I mean, there were a lot of overseas trips. For example, in London, we went mm -hmm. to London. The Bears won the Super Bowl. There was a party at Ringo Starr's house, you know, and we're at practice on Friday and 
I'm standing there with Phil Collins and his young son, and we're talking about football and stuff. And, and a guy from a tabloid, a London tabloid came up and was kind of listening to us. And Brian Harlan, who back then was one of the Bears PR guys, Brian and I are talking. I go, Brian, did you hear about William Perry and Two Tall Jones? And he goes, no, what? I, I said, uh, they're having a bet. I said, whoever wins the game, the other guy has to smell the other guy's feet. So what? we laughed. Yeah, I, we were just making stuff up. So this guy, this tabloid guy is sitting there eavesdropping on our conversation. So uh, they play on Sunday. Saturday night, we're out running, running wild in London, having a really good time. And it's two o'clock in the morning. And uh, the tabloids come out. We picked one off the newsstand. And the headline on the back page was, fridge to the Wembley cowboy, kiss my feet. Oh my gosh. I wrote a whole story about it. <laughs> You've had a chance to work with a rather iconic figure in this town in Tom Skilling. I mean, the guy's been there longer than you. The Weather Service has been dropping the winter storm watches out to the west of us. It now appears uh, northern counties may escape with little more than a dusting of snow, while the city might see something on the order of one to three and three to five in Indiana, something like that. He and I are the longest running uh, on-air people at GN, that's for sure. Uh, Muriel Claire would be in there. I mean, she's kind of stepped away from it now, but uh, yeah. I had other weather people early on. Uh, Roger Treemstra was doing yep. some of you know, we've had a lot of people uh, come through, but yeah, Tom has been there tried and true for Chicago ever since I arrived in town. All I know is you can't, Chicago weather doesn't mean anything unless you're watching him. Well, uh, beyond all that too, he is absolutely the most genuine and the nicest person you'd ever want to meet. Uh, and everybody who's been around him would say the same thing. Uh, he's an interesting guy, but man, is he a great guy. And he, he's so gracious. You know, he, he's a little verbose at times. And there were moments, the timing is different now, but we used to have to follow him and we would be the last thing in the show. And, you know, sure enough, he would go 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute over is a lot of time. And then we would have to cut the sportscast in half. And, you know, after a while, it got to be a, a little bit aggravating. So after one of the shows, I went in his office and I said, hey, Tom, we had a couple of really good local stories that we had to drop because you went over your allotted time. And I said, it's been happening a lot. And I hope we can figure out a way to, to alleviate it. You know, he almost broke into tears. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. And back then he wasn't, they didn't have an earpiece for him. So he wasn't in direct contact with the director and producer. He just kind of went. So uh, they, I think he finally agreed to where equipment that he could listen to them and they would tell him you know it's time for you to stop so uh but yeah he was mortified when i told him that and didn't realize it and couldn't have been more apologetic but that's exactly the kind of guy that he is there's another guy uh i believe he's been there longer than you as well and that's a very talented sports producer in bob vorwald well bob was an intern from northwestern when i showed up so we have been there from day one, he's had a couple of uh, different routes that he took in his career. He worked at Channel 5 with Mark, and he worked at 32 for a while, and he's written some books and became the production manager, and, you know, he's been uh, such a tremendous resource for me and such a good friend over the years. Yeah, he, 
everybody likes Bob and there's a good reason for it. Well, let's face it, Dan, you have worked with a lot of great veterans here from Rich King, uh, Kingfish, the great Dave Ennett, now the new generation in Lauren Majera, Jared, Pay uh, Jared Payton, Josh Friedman. It's quite a group. Yeah, I mean, all those people are uh, very talented. And, you know, beyond that, George, you know, they stuck me. Harry Carey went into the Hall of Fame, I think it was in 89. And, you know, this typical Arnie Harris fashion. There's another icon that I got a chance to work with. Arnie said, well, he said, uh, you're going to do six innings of play-by-play -play on Sunday. I said, play-by-play on -play what? He said, the Cubs game against the Phillies. I said, you, you're a kid. You know, I grew up a fan. I, I was one of those geeks that would, you know, sit in his room and write down phrases that I would use if I ever became a broadcaster. And then sure enough, you know, I did a lot of basketball and champagne and some football as well, but, you know, to work alongside Stoney in the booth in Harry's chair, I mean, that was a little bit daunting. And it all went well, and then as time went on, I got a chance to do quite a bit more of that. You did. You called a very famous homer by none other than Sammy Sosa. But he kept it out away from Sammy, and there are the targets. First play-by-play -play I did up here, again, I'm walking down the hall to the office and Arnie walks by, hey, kid, what are you doing Saturday? I said, um, well, I'm working Saturday. He said, well, you're going to do play-by-play -play on the Notre Dame-Purdue game from South Bend. We got the game. And I said, what? I go, yeah. he says, yeah, you and Paul Horning and John Mengelp, who played for the Bulls and was an All-American strong safety at Auburn, you three are going to do the game. So we did four or five games and Notre Dame went on to win the national championship and our contract ran out at the end of the season and look where they are today, George, they haven't won one since. Oh, I see the connection. <laughs> <laughs> now I get it. Hey, those two guys, uh, Paul Harning and, and John Mengelt, there's a couple of personalities to work with at the same time. Oh, um, God, could you imagine? It was so much fun. The Golden, I just called them Golden. Horning. I, I didn't ever call him Paul once, I don't think. And we would run into each other uh, in the years past that. And we, we always had a lot of funny things to talk about. He was a real character. And then John, of course, did uh, a lot of basketball on TV here in town. And he and I did the DePaul games for years together. And uh, another guy who's uh, certainly consider a really good friend. Vienna beef, two words synonymous with hot dogs. They're the home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna. And did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog. Dragged through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt. And oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the Ballparks Cups, 
clubs and socks, stadiums, museums, and zoos. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and on Amazon. And remember, Vienna is not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at ViennaBeef.com. Take me back to growing up in uh, Keokuk, Iowa. When did you know you wanted to be this guy, the TV well, guy? Certainly not there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not to say we lived in a backwater town. It wasn't the tiniest town ever. I think we had 16,000 people there, but we didn't have cable TV or anything. And we could don't, I could only get NBC affiliate from Quincy and a, and a CBS affiliate from Quincy and no ABC. The ABC closest one was in a tumble Iowa and we could barely get it with an antenna so there used to be this thing back when tv was analog called skip and every now and then the signal from a far off station would reach your antenna so one day I was flipping through the tv channels yeah all two of them and on the channel seven which we'd never seen before came a crystal clear picture from Detroit of the ABC affiliate in Detroit and I was, I was kind of fascinated by it, but I had, so I had some interest in it, but I certainly had no real broadcast interest. And then I was in college and I was working in a sporting goods store over holiday break. And somebody said they need some help over at the television station because everybody went home for Christmas break and they're actually paying, they're paying you like $3 an hour to do it. So I said, well, I can use the money. I'm not doing anything else. So I'll just go over there and do it. And it was fun. And the people were fun and I kind of rekindled my interest in it. And I changed my major before the semester started and went to work over there. And I did well enough to get a job working at WCIA as a Decatur, Illinois correspondent. I covered Decatur, not sports, but news. They gave me two film cameras. I almost got killed over there four or five times. It was crazy. And they paid starting camera people $150 a week. They paid starting reporters $175 a week. And they paid me $140 a week. I mean, barely livable, but I, I was a journalist, George. I was in the field. Well, that was, a, but it was a dramatic change, right? You never had any intention of doing this when you went to Illinois State, right? Oh, absolutely not. I was going to be an English teacher. Really? And yeah, I really was. And then, yeah, so I got into television and the weekend sportscaster left and they knew I had some interest. So they made me that and I, it went well. And then the regular weekday sportscaster was a guy named Don Wilcox, who was in law school. And when he got his law degree, he quit. And they I mean, they had a million resumes from all over the country because Illinois football and basketball play-by-play -play were included, but they were uh, nice enough and knew I would work for almost nothing uh, to hire me. So Paul Davis did it, and then I was there for seven years. I'm going to go back to Keokuk for a moment. You were a pretty good athlete in high school. Come to think of it, you were a very good and versatile athlete. Well, I did a lot. I was pretty good at most of it. I was, I lettered in five sports in high school. I would say I was good in all of them, but not really, really good 
in any of them. Golf was my best one. And D.A. Wybring was an athlete, basketball player. He and I played basketball and golf against each other for years. And so it just so happened. I had a friend of mine who was a swimmer at Illinois State, and I had no idea where I was going to go to college, didn't even know how to approach it, really. And I went over to visit him and uh, really liked the whole deal and talked to the golf coach who was golf coach and part-time plumbing supply contractor. And I told him I had interest and he said, you know, like, so what? So it turned out I had a pretty good senior year, but every time we played DA, almost every time I beat him. And it, you know, it was snowing. I remember one time and, you know, it was just a, combination of circumstance because he was a much better player than me but I did beat him and then I won the Iowa high school sectional championship shot a couple under par I think and called the coach the next day I had my friend call him and then he called me the coach called me and said I heard you had a good day yesterday I said yeah you know shot 70 or 69 or whatever it was and one sectional and he said is it true you beat D.A. Wyvern and I didn't embellish it. I just said, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Pretty much like that. He said, okay, then you're in. They had one scholarship left and I got it. So that's, and then I wound up not doing very well. And so I walked on the basketball team and played hoops. And that's where I met Doug Collins because I had to go to, to the uh, North gym at ISU every day and guard him as part of our shot. Oh my group. goodness. When you're talking about ISU basketball excitement, you inevitably talk of this man. He's consensus All-American and Olympic star, Doug Collins. Following his final home game, a sellout crowd stayed on to say goodbye to the guy whose name is opposite every I-State scoring record. You can imagine that, a kid from Iowa <laughs> who's playing against all these farm kids, having to guard a guy who nobody could stay in front of. I mean, he took the baseline from me like he owned it every day. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. And by the way, another very unique character that we've all been involved with, both as a coach, as an analyst, and a guy who I remember, if you ask him a question, you might as well go out and have lunch because when you come back, he's still answering it. Oh, and he wasn't any different when he was a kid from Benton, Illinois. <laughs> either. Uh, in fact, one of his buddies, Don Frankie and I, uh, the three of us took his two cars to Philadelphia when he got drafted by the Sixers, we kind of tag teamed it driving out there and we got to his new apartment complex and I think it was in Jersey and they had some tennis courts. So we were playing tennis and he had a shot toward the baseline and I went back to get it and he ran up to play the net and I hit a really good lob over his head. It had a little spin on it. I knew it was going to hit and jump. He swung and missed at it going over his head and then ran all the way back to the baseline, got it, and ripped one up the line on me. And I said, wow. that's typical Doug right there. You are an avid golfer today. What's your handicap? Uh, it ended this year at 0, 0.0. Wow. But, you know, they changed the handicap system over the last couple of years. So it's it's a little bit skewed i think toward the low end i know i'm not playing to it but it is what it is they only take the best eight of your most recent 20 scores and that's how they figure it out so so during the time here you become a father you have three sons three grown sons are they in, involved in sports in any way shape or form 
Well, they were all high school athletes. Um, my oldest is actually in the music business. He's a DJ and has a company that provides DJs for various functions. Uh, he's worked around the world, really, at some of these. He's been he's worked in South America, in Barcelona, London, some other places. Uh, his wife is a makeup artist, so they tag team uh, weddings uh, on a lot of occasions. So they've they've got it going on pretty well. But my other two are actually in the business. My middle son Andy is a ticket manager for the Blackhawks, and then. My youngest works for KPMG, which doesn't sound like sports, but they are big into golf, and he's a major player in their golf program. Uh, they sponsor Stacy Lewis, a uh, couple of other uh, PGA and LPGA pros, and he kind of services them with corporate outings. So he's having a good time, and, and uh, I think everybody's pretty happy with where they are. I know I'm happy. Uh, we have a six-year-old granddaughter from Matt, my oldest, who's a treasure. And then my middle son, Andy, who works for the Hawks, uh, just moved to, back to uh, Elmhurst, where we live. He lives five blocks from us, and he has two little boys. And, oh, boy, you're busy. Oh, my gosh. It's really going to be fun when I'm uh, totally out of work responsibilities and able to hang out with those guys all the time. But we see him you know, all the time. It's really great. Well, so what is the next chapter for Dan Rowan? 36 holes every day, doting on the grandkids, maybe still dabbling in the business? I think I said earlier that if GN wants me to be kind of a, you know, fifth wheel or whatever, I'm, I'm happy to come over there and help some. Uh, so I, I might do that. I really don't have any interest in running a podcast or a website or any of that kind of stuff. When you look at it, in total, I've done pretty much everything there is to do. <laughs> I've, I've not covered an Olympics, and I, that will be one thing that I will not uh, get a chance to do, but that's okay. Yeah, but beyond that, um, I have a lot of charity work that I have my eye on. Um, and then the grandkids, hopefully we'll have more than the three. And then, yeah, playing some golf and traveling with my wife. I think that'll pretty much cover it. All I can say is it sure seems like you've lived a charmed life. Oh, George, uh, we didn't have much when I was growing up and sports were my salvation. I mean, I, like I said, I played five sports in Iowa. You could pick and choose if you're a school uh, when you wanted to play baseball. You could play in the fall, spring or summer. And fortunately, our school chose summer. So that's when our baseball season was. And I played football in the fall, uh, basketball, and then golf was in the spring in Iowa back then as it was in Illinois now it's in the fall and then I was screwing around in gym class one day at the high jump pit and just you know figured out a way to clear the bar in a real unconventional way that was a foul 50 percent of the time but the coach saw me screwing around with it and he said why don't you you know just jump in some meets because I know you're not going to give up a golf tournament for this but jump so I jumped in five or six of the big meets and actually finished second every time and it was crazy especially when you consider now I couldn't jump over the Keokuk phone book <laughs> it's okay Dan I, I kind of get it at our age it's a little tougher yeah, it is I ask this final question to all my guests and you may have answered it but if not for sports casting what would you have been gosh I don't know uh, I said uh, English teacher was uh, one of the things on my list, but 
you know, I don't know. In fact, to be honest with you, I shudder to think because there's a possibility of me not turning into a respected professional. Let's put it that way. I was, uh, you know, I like the partying stuff and I, it's hard to imagine a life without all these things in it. I've been like the luckiest guy, uh, you know, almost by happenstance, got a scholarship, same thing, got into television and then was able to stick my foot in the door in Champagne at, at Channel 3. And then, you know, everything worked out in Chicago. And uh, I walked into a really advantageous situation for me because they hadn't had anybody like me there before. And, you know, as we've grown, uh, all of us have grown together at Channel 9. It's, it's been pretty spectacular. And it feels like I'm cheating somebody sometimes. Well, thank you, Dan Rohn, for what you've accomplished, what you've meant to our industry here in Chicago, and for telling me a story I don't know. My thanks to WGN-TV, WCIA-TV in Champaign, and CBS-TV for those great highlights. And as always, a big thanks to TJ Rees for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his fine mixing and editing, and Nick Tochi for our great graphics. And to our generous sponsors, Serenal Law Group, top-notch pros who will save you money on your real estate taxes, Dynamic Manufacturing, Honor the Legacy, Pioneer the Future, and the Vienna Beef Company, home of the iconic Chicago hot dog since 1893. By BetUS, a pioneer in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, and the Polina Market, top purveyors of the finest meats and much more. Tune in next week for another fascinating episode of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.